hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie. J-U-L-I-E. Half of the dynamic duo that brings you the incredible podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Holy motherfucking shit, y'all. I had a meeting last night with my women's group that blew my freaking mind. These women, ugh, they give me life. They give me life. I actually took notes from some of the shares because they were so good. And I wanted to share them with you yesterday after the meeting, but I was so excited that my husband left <laughs> and went back to America and that I was finally alone that I was like, I can't, I have nothing left. Um, I am a person who loves and has learned to love my alone time. So this is a perfect arrangement for me. He's going to be gone for two and a half weeks. No, like, yeah, almost three weeks. Um, poor thing. He woke up this morning and he's like, I missed you last night. I was thrashing about like, where's my wife? Where am I? And I'm just looking at him thinking, I slept for 12 hours and it's bliss. Anyways, I hope he never hears this because that would hurt his feelings. I don't think we're married enough yet for that not to hurt his feelings. Okay, so this meeting, I'm going to look at the notes I took and share some of them with you because they were so genius. So one of my friends who I fucking adore, and I met her as a result of this podcast, and her name is Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Like I fell in love with her 30 seconds after meeting her. I just love her. Um, I may be looking for a new sponsor, and I was kind of thinking of her, which might horrify her. By the way, that may lead me into a new discussion. Um, asking your friend to be your sponsor. Is that a good idea? By the way, Amanda, if you're listening to this, well, I know you are. And you're freaking out right now. Don't worry. (laughs) If I do ask you to be my sponsor, um, and you don't want to because you're you don't think you're somehow equipped or you think it would ruin our friendship, then that's okay. Anyways, moving on. I bet you her heart's pounding right now. Okay, so she talked about Oh, so good. When you have someone, whether it's a sponsee or a friend in recovery that's chronically chronically relapsing, she said, do you really make a choice to drink or do you make a choice to not be sober? Which I thought was a really great question because it is a choice. We often talk about in recovery how it's not a choice, which I agree with a little bit. Hang on, let me take a sip of my tea. It's 11.57 and I just woke up an hour ago, so this is my morning tea. <clears throat> so good. <clears throat> All right. Um, once I believe, my own thoughts and feelings on this, my own opinion, because I speak for no one but myself, is once you are exposed to the solution you do have a choice. When you are active in your addiction and you haven't been exposed to the solution, i.e. the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, our program of action in order to facilitate recovery, it is a choice. So it's not so much I choose to take a drink, I choose to take a drug, I choose to have sex, I choose to shop. It's I choose not to do the work. Because as my sponsors taught me, a craving doesn't last forever. So if you have, like I gave one of my sponsees, the, um, her compulsion list for when she really wants to drink. 
If you do that list, like get on your knees and pray, call someone in recovery, exercise, drink some water, listen to a podcast, if you're not fully invested in every one of those things and all you're thinking about is, I want to drink, I got to call someone, I want to drink, I got to pray, I want to drink, oh God, please help me not to drink, that's still focusing on the problem. If you get down on your knees and you say, God, I am so grateful that I am not drinking right now, please give me the strength to choose recovery. Or you call someone and you're like, I want to drink. Please talk to me about the solution. Tell me how you've done it. Tell me how it's going. Or when you're exercising, you're thinking about, I'm going to make my body strong. I choose to be. That's a very different mindset than making sure you're focused on the problem. Because whatever we focus on grows. So I thought that was a genius question. But Amanda went a little deeper. And she's like, what she because she had a sponsee for a while. And so she's really had exposure to people that she's trying to help that want to drink or want to drug. And so she came to the realization is, what are you trying to get out of that drink? Are you trying to feel better? And if you're trying to feel better, we do have a program for that. The way to feel better without booze, without drugs, without behaving is the 12 steps. So she said as a sponsor, it's how can I help you apply the steps to your problem? How can I help you get to that point? Which is focusing again on the solution. Of course, and she ha- she's got so much compassion. She's a deep well of love and compassion. So she's like, of course you don't want to feel that way. I'm an alcoholic. I get it. That's why I drank. But let me help you apply the solution to your problem instead of fighting and resisting against wanting to feel another way. She also had a sponsee that I think it was her. One of the girls in the group had a sponsee that want, oh no, it was someone else, that wants to be in a constant state of euphoria, wants to be in a constant, and for an alcoholic, wants to be in a constant state of sedation. That's not realistic as a human being. We can't always exist that way. But the cool thing is, and this is something Amanda said, once you're free, i.e. you've done the work, you've done the steps, and you don't have that desire, that compulsion. It's not even a desire. It's way beyond a desire. Once you're free because you've done, you've entered recovery, and most often it's done through the 12-step model, you get quote-unquote high or you get quote-unquote calm or sedated on life. You learn how to do those things. And it's not temporary because euphoria and sedation isn't a natural state for us. It's a temporary fleeting state. But what's better than that is being able to experience life in all of its pain, in all of its beauty, in a way that you don't pay for it later, in a way that you can access at any time. And yes, it's different. But we have to get used to the different because otherwise we will keep chasing the high. We will keep chasing the drunk. We will keep chasing the rush until the gates of death. That's just the way addiction works. She was speaking about um, Earl. I think it's W. He's Lisa's favorite speaker. um, And how he talked about just even like gardening or watering plants. And I know that sounds like so ridiculous for some people. But having a deep, sustained joy rather than a moment of pleasure can be the next best thing. It can be the new best thing. So good. 
Um, what else? What other notes? Oh my God, yes. Step six and seven. So my sponsee and very dear friend Lynn said this one. She said step six is that she thinks that people w- rush over step six and seven. Step six is we're entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. And step seven is humbly asked him to to do so. Humbly asked him to remove them. I can't remember the exact wording. Whoops, bad air. Um, and she talked about how important it is. And I think this ties into our conversation because character defects are what makes us drink. Character defects are those things that that we so cannot tolerate that it drives the bus into the abyss of addiction. And so step six, she said, is the desire to change. And step seven is saying, please, God, change me. Show me how to change my thinking. They're very different from each other. I want to change. And and saying, please change me. Oh, that's totally different. I could be ready and not want to make a move. Hang on, tea break. I'm trying to do it away from the microphone because mouth sounds can drive someone to drink. Okay, what's the next note? Oh, I've already covered them all. Isn't that cool? This is why I need meetings. This is why next week when meetings, uh, one of my favorite meetings opens up in Toronto, I will be there. Now, coming from the perspective of my American husband, we are a very compliant people up here in Canada. So while Americans, according to him, are like, you can't tell me what to do. Americans are very like, it's me against my government. It's me against the world. Canadians are like, we love our government. They're not trying to kill us at all. We trust them. And so as a result, they will keep us safe. As a collective, we follow rules. And so up here in Toronto, there are very few groups on August 30th, 2020, that are meeting in person. One of my favorite groups is open next week, and I cannot wait to get there. And they are doing kind of a hybrid meeting style, which I think is genius. So you can actually go to the group. But there's also a laptop set up on Zoom that will be recording the meeting from the standpoint of the audience. So just looking at the speaker. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to record the chairperson, the serenity prayer. Maybe they'll do it without. That would be cool. If people don't want to be exposed on Zoom, shutting off the camera but leaving on the audio would be cool because you could literally listen to an in-person live meeting live. Wouldn't that be cool? No, I will not give it out (laughs) Um, because I have been in meetings that have been hacked and it's fucking jarring and I don't like it and it's really disturbing. So I'll leave it there. Oh, that meeting was so good. So anyways, I need meetings because I need to be around people that are on fire for the program. I also need to be around people that are struggling in the program. I need to hear perspectives. I need to hear, not advice, feedback, opinions. I need to be reminded of the gold that is in our program via the big book, via the 12 and 12. I need it. I felt so good after yesterday's meeting because while my husband has been here, I have not been to many. Have, have I even been to any? No, I haven't. So in one month, I have not been to any meetings. Thankfully, I have felt grounded enough in my program. I was saying this yesterday in my share. Yes, we cannot stay sober on yesterday's meetings. But after seven years of a lot of work in this program, I feel very grounded in it. We're never quote unquote safe, but I feel grounded and secure in my program. And different seasons require different things. And I'm looking forward to getting back to meetings. 
Uh, so thank you for being here with me because this is like a meeting for me too. You know, yes, I haven't been to meeting meetings, but doing this podcast has saved my sobriety many a day. And I look forward now that I have more space and time in my life for you and for me and for this podcast to recording more. So happy Sunday. I hope all is well with you. I hope you took away what my first grand sponsor would say, the pearl from this little meeting was, and I will talk to you soon.